our goal in this study is to understand the importance the local church plays in the lives of believers and really the impact it has on the world. It's a worldwide thing. And uh, so let's, again, go back to the beginning, Matthew chapter 16. I would look on the screen. Uh, you feel free to write notes, but a lot of the scriptures are in the New Living Translation. But scripture tells us, again, that Jesus is the founder and builder of his church. And I know I've gone back to the same set of scriptures, but it's important. In verse 13 of Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. He said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man, all right? So he asked his disciples, what are people saying about me? And so they replied, well, some say uh, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elisha. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked them, his disciples, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You see, now, Jesus had not revealed that to anyone. He had not told anyone at this point. All right? You need to understand that, that Jesus was probably a little taken aback when Peter said that because he hadn't, he hadn't revealed himself to that level. And Simon Peter confidently points out, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John. Now, why did he say he's blessed? Look here. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. See, everything else they were hearing about Jesus was what? You know, the local town gossip. You know, they're all at the well. You know, pulling up water. And then some are talking about Jesus here. And some said he's like John the Baptist. And some said he's like Elijah, raised from the dead. And so on. But... Peter gets something directly from God the Father, by the Spirit of God. And he said, you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Actually, it means little rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, when he says upon this rock I will build my church, he was talking about how Peter got the information that Jesus was who he was. How did he find that out? Remember he said, my father revealed this to you, not a human being. So that's what he was talking about. Now, the first time the word church, as we mentioned, was introduced in the Bible, where he said, I will build my church, is right here. The word church here is the Greek word ekklesia. Everybody say ekklesia. All right, some of you kind of messed that up a little bit. Let's try that again. Ready? Ekklesia. All right, ecclesia. What it means is the called out ones, okay? So a group of people called out from the world or an assembly, a congregation called out. That's essentially what the word means. So what is the church? The church is a group of people called out from the world, all right? That's you and me. We're a group of people called out from the world. Now Jesus said this. He said, "I will build my church." And I have emphasized this a lot. "I will build my church." Who's building the church? Jesus is building the church. Whose church is it? His church. He said, "I will build my church." So we need to understand that church is God's idea, not man's. 
In other words, Jesus is the founder and builder of his church. Secondly, church is not a building. Now, I know we know that, but it needs to be expressed because sometimes we get that word and an image in our mind. We think of church, usually you don't think of a group of people. (laughs) You think of what? A building. You know what I'm saying? A little steeple type thing. An image comes to mind. But what you really need to be picturing and why I'm emphasizing it, you need to picture people when you picture the church. The church is not a building. Okay, We call this the church because we have to name it something to reference where we're meeting. But this is not a real church until you get here. When you arrive, when the first person walks in, now we have church, all right? And then that church grows. The more and more of you walk in the door, the more and more we have. And that's that group of people called out, that Jesus called. You know that you didn't call yourself? You might think, well, I stumbled upon this church all on my own. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You might think you did. But the reality is, is the Lord is behind the background. He said, I build my church. In other words, he's the one behind everything. Now, as we look at this, we said the church, again, is not a building. The church is people. It's made up of all those who are called together under Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. The Bible says the body is that group of believers, all of them. Everyone who has ever received Jesus. We refer to that sometimes as the church universal. And you're not going to find that term in the Bible because it's not there. There's a lot of terms that are used to express things that are not really in the Bible. It's just easier to say. For example, anybody ever heard the term five-fold ministry, you know, or five-fold? The word five-fold is not in the, you're not going to find that in your Bible. But it helps us to understand, what are we talking about? Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And so it's a quick way of saying something. Well, the church universal means everybody that has ever been born again. And the Bible tells us some of our family, some of that body is in heaven with the Father and Jesus. And some of the body is here on earth. You and I are part of the body here on earth, obviously. And so the same Lord, though, is connected to all of us, all right? Remember one of the purposes, why did Jesus leave the earth? Think about this. Why did he leave the earth? Could he not have been raised from the dead and stayed here and planted his flag here? Could he? Absolutely. Why did he leave the earth? He told us why. Remember in John 14, I must go so that I will go to the Father And the Father is going to send you the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's only one of Jesus. But every single one of us can have Jesus through the Spirit of God. That is a much better deal. (laughs) That is a much better place to be. The Spirit of God, remember, what is the Spirit of God? The Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Jesus. Everybody get that? He's the Spirit of Jesus. Remember, he said, I will send you another helper. Was Jesus a helper? Right? He said, I'm going to send you another helper, which he said is much better because all of you can have the Lord at the same time as opposed to only having one Jesus. Is there only one Lord and Savior? That's right. We know where he's at. Amen. He's seated at the Father's right hand in heaven. But he's connected to us 
through the Spirit of God in our spirits when we receive Him. Now, all believers together, again, make up the church, the body of Christ. We learn that everyone is called to be a part of the, Jesus, the, the church Jesus built, right? Is, everyone, is anyone excluded? Everyone. Everybody say everyone. So how do we know that? Remember we went to why did Jesus come? Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, or in other words, everybody in the world, that he sent Jesus, and Jesus was coming here to save us from sin and death, to bring us back to the Father. He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to pick on us. He came to what? To fix things, to change things, and he did that job. All right, But he did it for everyone. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. Don't ever let anyone tell you that God has this whole thing preordained. He does have it preordained. He preordained everybody getting saved. Amen? That doesn't mean everybody. How many of you know you can buy gifts for every single person you know? That doesn't mean all of them are going to take it. Right? You ever have somebody, you tried to give them a gift and they're stubborn and full of pride? And they say, oh, no, I didn't get you anything. I can't accept this. You know, and you've got to fight with them. So you can buy gifts for everyone. Doesn't mean everyone's going to take it. Well, Jesus, listen, paid the price for everyone. Doesn't mean everybody's going to accept him. I mean, I read this thing the other day that just, oh, my gosh, talk about dark. I don't know if any of you read this. There was two young girls that were going to go to a school about 11 years old or so. And what they were going to do is kill as many kids as they could, chop their body in parts, drink their blood so they would do something bad and then kill themselves so they did something bad enough so that Satan would accept them into his kingdom in hell. Talk about a perversion. In a ma- Boy, wouldn't they get a shock. This isn't exactly what I was thinking would happen. You know, See, the devil never shows himself for who he really is. He always comes off as not real. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights. You missed some good messages if you weren't here because we've been talking about how the devil portrays himself as one thing. In reality, he's another. And that's how he deceives people into ridiculous nonsense like that. That is ridiculous. I mean, sick and twisted. How does Man, when I was 11 years old, I was still playing with toys. I wasn't concerning myself with anything like that, you know? I mean... Things have changed. I don't like some of that. You know, I'm just saying, kids grow up too fast. Not that anybody should ever grow up into that. You understand that. You shouldn't even know about it. You shouldn't even think about it. But how do they get that? It's all over movies, all over TV. It's disgusting. It's in some of, oh Lord, some of you watch it. Some, somebody eating someone else. Everybody say, I love my pastor. I love you guys. I'm not looking at anybody. All right. Now listen. Listen. Listen, guys. How does someone become a member of Jesus' church? They call on Jesus, the builder of the church. That's simple, right? Acts 2.21 says everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. So how do we get a hold of Jesus? Man, you could be on your deathbed. That's not the way to do it, by the way. Plan ahead, okay? A wise man prepares in advance. Amen. Don't say, I'll put that off. There's a lot of people who died before they had the chance. And too late, 
But there were some right on their deathbed, man, right on their deathbed, crying out to Jesus. And they did believe in their heart. And they called on his name. And they got to heaven and probably said, (laughs) I made it. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm sure some of them were shocked. I'm here, you know. I mean, I'm telling you, that's not the way to do it. Prepare in advance. How do we do that? By openly declaring our faith in him. Amen? You don't shy away from it. You don't whisper it. You openly declare. You believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that he is Lord. Amen? You pledge your allegiance to him. Amen? Amen. Now, that's how we become born again. We become a member of his church. The church, again, is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body, and the body refers to all believers, the church universal. So the question I want to ask real quickly is, how does Jesus build the church? And that's where we're going to go today. And again, don't judge real quickly. You'll assume some things before we get there. I want you to have an open heart. I want you to see that this is working in your life, and some of you haven't even been aware of it. You haven't even been aware of what's been going on spiritually in your own personal life. So let's go back again to Matthew 16, that main scripture. Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. Let's look at it again. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elisha, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John. Now listen, look at it closely. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus said again, I will build my church, The rocker foundation for the church Jesus builds is special. It is supernatural. Jesus said that his father revealed to Peter who Jesus was. That's the rock he's going to build the church on. It's called revelation knowledge. Everybody say it with me. Revelation knowledge. Now, that sounds like a big word, and we'll get into it in a moment. But the reality is... The Father revealed to Peter who Jesus was. Peter did not know that in himself. The Father unveiled Peter's spiritual eyes and he saw, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. He did not know that on his own. No human being revealed this to Peter. This is very, very important. Listen closely. Father God, through the Holy Spirit, unveiled to Peter who Jesus really was. It's like the Holy Spirit around Peter opened his eyes so that he could see something no human could see. No human knew that he was the Messiah. In other words, totally supernatural how he found out. Now Jesus is telling us that his church will not be built on man's ideas man's programs, that the church that Jesus will build will be built on hearing God. In other words, it will be built by the Spirit of God. So we have to understand that the church, again, is God's idea. It is all Him, and He works with man. But the Lord wanted, He knew how He wanted the church to operate. 
He could have picked any number of ways. Couldn't he have made a manual and sent it to all of us when we were up to a certain age? This is your church manual. Read this. And just follow steps one and two and three and four. He could have done it. Listen to me carefully. The Lord could have done it a million different ways. But he chose the method he wanted to choose. And you'll see that that supernatural method is exactly why Satan cannot defeat the church. He can't do it. He said all the powers of hell cannot conquer the church. It will not. And the reason is the way Jesus built the church. And it's in your life. It's working in your life. How will it be built? It'll be built, listen carefully, on the foundation of revelation knowledge. So the question is, what is revelation knowledge? Again, it's one of those words that you're you're not going to see the word revelation knowledge in the Bible. Okay, But the word revelation means what? Something what? Revealed. Okay, something you otherwise did not know, but now I have a revelation of it. I, I can see it. Okay, I'm aware of it. That's what he was talking about. Revelation knowledge, listen carefully, is knowledge revealed by the Spirit of God to man's spirit. All right, it is knowledge revealed by the Spirit of God to man's spirit. Revelation knowledge doesn't come from a book. It doesn't come from any source of man that you could learn or teach. It doesn't come in any way, shape, or form from this planet, so to speak. Not at all. It simply comes only by the Spirit of God. Okay, It's very important that we understand that that's how Jesus is going to build His church. Now, what's His church? Everybody tell me, what's His church? people the group of people called out okay that's a that's a good description the group of people called out so that's the church and he's going to build his church by revelation knowledge or by the spirit of god in other words the church is not man's creation it is god's creation the church is god working with man leading directing, providing by the Spirit of God through what we're going to call revelation knowledge. Okay, That is how Jesus is going to build the church. So I said all that, guys. I was just laying a foundation to get us to this point, and this is where it gets exciting. Okay, This is where the supernatural becomes the real thing in our everyday life, and we sometimes don't even know it. And so let, let me show you real quickly. We're going to go right back to the beginning. Give me Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is the very beginning of Jesus building the church. And remember, who's directing and leading the members? Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 1 through 2 says, In my first book I told you, this is, by the way, written by Luke. Remember, Luke was a doctor, and he wrote the book of Luke. Okay, the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And he says here, in my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after. Everybody say after. Now notice what it says. Giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. How did he give them instructions? (laughs) Everybody's looking at it right there, but I don't know, Pastor. 
What, let's look at the back part. Who's giving the instructions? The Holy Spirit. The Holy, everybody say Holy Spirit. This is at the very beginning of the church. How is Jesus going to build his church? By the Holy Spirit. It is going to be the Spirit of God working in man's spirit. It is not a natural thing. There was no book. Okay, Peter and John just couldn't pull off the shelf. Okay, step one, all right, have a big meeting. (laughs) Step two, get a few people who can lead worship. Step three, get some greeters and ushers, okay? There was nothing like this. These guys were just kind of, okay, Lord, what next? Okay, Lord, what next? Okay, Lord, what next? In other words, he's just revealing to them on the inside, and it's beginning to develop. All right. I encourage you to read the first few chapters of really about through chapter 1 through chapter 6 of Acts. It's exciting. I mean, it is the development, the beginning of everything. And you see these guys make some silly mistakes. They goof up, but you also see the power of God operate because God, again, was developing his church. But we saw here that it was through the Holy Spirit that he was doing this. He's still doing this today in you and I. It is not a coincidence you are sitting here this morning. It was orchestrated by the head of the church, by the Spirit of God. Now you might say, well, so-and-so invited me, or I saw the sign. Or really, you really think that a lot of those things were just, oh, it just happened. It just happened. No, that's not the case. It didn't just happen. It, It was orchestrated. In other words, the Lord wants you in a certain place at a certain time, and he's going to do his best. Now, could you rebel? Could you have slept in this morning? You absolutely could have. Thank God you didn't. You know, thank God you're here. But the fact is, is that we understand that we're working with the Lord. This is what the Bible says, Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord leads you? Amen? He didn't just leave you out to dry, did He? He didn't just say, well, you're born again. Now do your best, son. See you on the other side. You know? He didn't do that. He Listen to me. Say it with me. I'm a child of God. Everybody say it. I'm going to look at your mouth. All right. Everybody. Ready? Say, I'm a child of God. And I'm led by the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit of God's in you. Now, you can refuse to listen. You can be rebellious and you can say, I'm not going to. You can't make me. And he won't. He's not going to make you do anything. But he's inside you and he's doing his best to lead you, to guide you always in the right direction. How many would lead your children towards a fire when they were little? Hey, honey, let's go see how a fire feels. Or here's a bunch of traffic. Hey, See what you can do and get to the other side. Would any of you do that? You're looking at me like, abuser! I mean, you just want to say something to me. The reality is, is that how much better is our Heavenly Father? Would He ever lead us into harm? Would He ever lead us into danger? No. He would always lead us and guide us in the right direction. But sometimes we're too stubborn to listen. I'm going to do it my way, just like a little kid. Just stubborn. You can't make me do that. You might be able to make me a sit in a corner and look at that wall, but you can't make me like it. Right? You ever do that when you're a kid? Or just, you know, in other words, you would do what you were told, but in your heart you didn't want to. In other words, your parent couldn't change your heart. We can do that with the Lord. It's called having a hard heart. In other words, I'm not going to do it. 
And boy, I tell you what, that's just silly when he has only good for you. Amen? He is good for you. So say it with me again. Say, I'm led by the Spirit of God. All right? That's how he leads us. Now, I want to give you a quick story of, uh, in Scripture that is, is so exciting in how the Lord led us. Do you think the Lord knows every intricacy about your life? He knows every. Does he know what you're going to do for lunch? Some of you aren't sure. I, I, you, you think? Or what he, he knows what you're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. In other words, listen to me. He knows your future better than you know your past. He knows what you're... Now, you can make decisions and choices that vary and not go a certain way. Okay? He still knows what you're going to do, but the reality is, is that he knows you. Why? He's God. He created you. He knows everything. He is everywhere. All right? Well, the fact is this. We have a man... In the Bible, this is Acts chapter 10 if you want to reference it. Don't, don't read it though, don't look. Um, Acts chapter 10 tells a story of a Roman soldier, a high-ranking Roman soldier named Cornelius. Okay? And Cornelius was a man who was a Gentile. Okay? That means he's outside the covenant of God, but he was a God-fearing man. He loved God, okay? Maybe he heard some things from the Jews or he heard from somebody about God and he prayed to God. He loved God. He was generous with people. He was kind. And the Bible expressly says that he would pray and he was a God-fearing man. He was hungry. He wanted more of God. And one day he had a vision. And in this vision, an angel appeared to him and told him, that God has seen your prayers. In other words, He sees your heart. The problem was, He needed to be what? Born again. He needed someone to share the gospel with Him, and no one was doing it. And so God, isn't God a fair God? A just God? A good God? And this guy's crying out to Him. So he says, Cornelius, God has seen your prayers. He has seen what you want. So he said, this is what I want you to do. He, now, notice the angel does not share the gospel. That's not the angel's job. Whose job is it to share the gospel? Your job, not angels. Okay? You need to understand that. That if no man goes, it ain't going to get done. All right? But the angel appears to him, tells him that uh, God wants to help you. And so he said, This is what I want you to do. I want you to find a man named Simon Peter. All right? That's who we're, you know, remember who we talked about, Peter. And he said, He's staying. Now listen to this. The angel says he's staying at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. And so if you will send men there and bring Peter back, he will have the answers that you need. All right? Ultimately, we know what does he mean. He'll share the gospel with you. All right? So what does the guy do? He gets up, and the next day he sends a couple men right out. A few men. Well, the next day we go into Peter. Peter's on the rooftop. Okay, and he's just praying, seeking the Lord to spend some time, and he gets a little hungry. And all of a sudden, he falls into a trance, which is a form of a vision. And in this vision, he sees this giant white sheet come down from the heavens, open up, and in it is all kinds of what's called unclean animals from the Old Testament. In other words, Jews weren't allowed to eat pork. Aren't you glad you're not a Jew? All right, I like my bacon. All right. I like my stuff like that, okay? But the fact is, is that there were certain animals they were not allowed to, you know, to eat, all right? And so the sheep came down, and it had all these kind of animals, and the, Lord, and, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. 
And the Lord, and then Peter said, No, Lord, those are unclean animals. I would never do that. No, was that be breaking the Old Testament law? All right. Now, was Peter under the Old Testament law at this point? No, he was born again. Remember, this is Acts chapter 10. All right. Okay, I'm just want you guys to follow along with me. But how many of you know it takes time to reprogram your thinking? He's still thinking like an Old Testament Jew in some areas. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, no, I wouldn't do that. It's unclean, Lord. And in the vision, the sheet goes back up, and the Lord did it again. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, no, I won't do it, you know, and it's unclean. And, and he did it three times. And finally, the Lord says this to him the third time, and he says, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Now, something changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, didn't it? We know that. But Peter was still growing in his understanding. But how does Jesus build the church? How does Jesus build the church? By revelation knowledge, by the Spirit of God. In other words, man is not comprehending this, but how do you know the Spirit of God knows what he's doing? And so the Spirit of God is trying to... Remember the Lord, who's the head of the church? Jesus is head of the church and is using the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is dealing with Peter... Okay, because Peter's still stuck in an old mentality and Jesus has got to do some things with his church. And so all of a sudden he wakes up from the trance and he's sitting there thinking about, I wonder what the Lord was trying to say, just like you would. And he's scratching his head and he's thinking right then the Bible says that three men show up and the spirit of God speaks to Peter. So I want to show that scripture. Let's look at that. That was Acts 10 right here. He says, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Go to the next one. Three men are seeking you. And rise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now talk about supernatural. I mean, he's on the roof, has the vision, wakes up, and the Lord says to him, listen carefully, I'm just paraphrasing. The Lord says, listen, there's three men downstairs right now. Now, he doesn't see the three men. He does not know they're coming. He says, three men that are seeking you right now. I want you to trust me, and I want you to arise, get up, and go with them. Don't question anything. So Peter does what? The Bible says Peter got up, and he did what the Lord said. And he went to Cornelius' home, and he gets to Cornelius' home, and he's realizing these guys are all Gentiles. He's not even supposed to be in their house, according to Old Testament law. But remember, where are we? We're in the New Testament, right? We only have two commandments, right? Love God and love people. He's not under all these rules and obligations anymore, but he's having trouble with it. And so the Spirit, how how is Jesus going to build the church? Through what? Revealing knowledge. Only the Spirit of God can. So the Spirit of God is carefully helping Peter understand this. This is going to be a game changer for the church, guys. This is going to be a game changer. So he's in Cornelius' house, and I, I encourage you, this is Acts 10 and 11, read it on your own. But he's in the house, and Cornelius is like, oh man, Cornelius gets on his knees thinking, you know, he's some big powerful person or maybe an angel or whatnot. And he says, get up, I'm a man like you. And so Cornelius began to share with Peter his vision. And it clicks with Peter. (laughs) It clicks with Peter. Oh, you want to hear about the gospel. See, they hadn't been going to the Gentiles yet. 
At that time, the church thought the gospel and like the promise of the Holy Spirit and all those things were just for the Jews. They hadn't gone out. Now, what did Jesus say? Remember, go into all the world. Well, they said, yes, everywhere there's Jews. (laughs) In other words, their thinking still had to be changed. But who's building the church? Who's changing minds? Who's opening their hearts? See, no man can do this. And so he's over there and he begins to share the gospel. And he begins to share how Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. These guys all, listen to me, received Jesus without him hardly even finishing what he was saying. Then it gets better. Then without Peter doing anything, as they received Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. They didn't even know about tongues. In other words, the Spirit of God moved upon those people in that room, these Gentiles. And Peter was just like, I imagine his tongue was just hanging down to the floor. Wow! I mean, this is... Wow! (laughs) I mean, he was really... Wow, this is, no man could have taught him. No, he would have refused any man saying that. That's sacrilege. That's blasphemy. But who can do it? The Holy Spirit. How's, how's Jesus going to build the church? Now he's going to deal with the Spirit of God in you and you and you and you and you and you and me. That's how he's going to do it. He's going to show us things in here that you could never. How many understand you're born again? No, I mean, seriously, I'm asking you right now. You know you're going to heaven. Raise your hand if you know you're going to heaven. Okay, I'm going to make sure everybody's there. Okay, now listen, I'm going to ask you a question. How do you know? That, what proof do you have? How? 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 We can just play this all day long, can't we? How do you know? Because I know. Because I know that 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 I know. I don't know how I know. I just know. I just know. How many would agree with me? Say this with me. how do you know though revelation knowledge the same spirit listen to me that raised christ from the dead lives in me and what does the bible say in romans say it says that the spirit of god witnesses with my spirit that i am a child of god how do i know i don't know here i don't understand it here but i just know i know i know I mean, and you can't take that away from me. Neither can the devil. See, the devil will talk you out of it and say, you're going to hell. I saw what you did. You say, shut up, devil. I mean, the devil can't. See, remember, what did Jesus say? I will build my church on the Holy Spirit in people, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? He can't talk you out of it. Because you know. How do I know? I just know. I just, I just know. How did Peter know that Jesus would have said, Peter, how did you know I was the Son of God? Had you I was a smile? And Peter would say what? Well, I don't know. I just know. <laughs> I just know. How do I know? In here? In here? In other words, where the Spirit of God dwells? In my spirit? I just know. Does anybody get what I'm talking about? There's a lot of things that I don't fully understand, but the Bible didn't say thou shalt go to heaven because of your brain. (laughs) It said what? That I will believe in my heart and say with my mouth, and that's how I'll be saved. You understand what I'm saying? So everybody say, I just know. Now where do you know? In your knower. (laughs) 
How do you know? I just know. I just know, and you can't talk me out of it. Now, I'm going I'm to do something that's going to mess with your head. You ready? I want everybody to say these words when I say them. All right, you ready? Everybody say it. All right? Say, Jesus is not my Lord. Now, what happened on the inside? Isn't it gross? Something just, those are cuss words, Pastor. Those aren't, doesn't something go off? It just, oh, that isn't right. Why? Because in my knower, I know that's not true. How do I know? I just know. How do I know? Revelation knowledge. That's how the Spirit of God deals with you and me. Isn't it cool? Now, He's dealing with you. He's leading you in every area of life. The problem is you're not always listening. You're just too busy. I'm running my own life. When you could go to the Lord, and that same way that you know you're born again, that same way that I know that I'm not afraid of death, I have no fear of death. I know where I'm going. I know whom I belong to. I know He has me. I know it'll be okay. I know. How do I know? Because I know. In here, I know. But see, the world doesn't get it, do they? They have to understand it. They need facts. Until the Holy Spirit opens their eyes and they realize they don't know Jesus they realize you've got something I don't have and I want it. How do they get it? They've got to join Jesus' church. How do they join Jesus' church? You call upon Jesus. And you get to be a part of his church. Now, is everyone called? Yes, everyone's called. Amen? And it's our responsibility to go out and get them. Man, isn't that cool how the Spirit of God dealt with Peter? I mean, he trained him, and he showed him, and he developed him. Peter does this. After this situation, he goes back to Jerusalem because he got called on the carpet. I mean, the big guys, James and some of the others, called him on the carpet and said, we hear you've been doing some things. We hear you've been, you shouldn't even have been in their home. You shouldn't have been in the Gentiles. And he began to share with them the whole story from beginning to end, and they all had another aha moment <laughs> with their tongues hitting the floor realizing you mean the whole world <laughs> you mean jesus wants everybody even the gentiles to have everything and it changed the direction of the gospel it changed everything but how did it change by jesus directing his church by the holy spirit unveiling things to us amen that is good news. Now listen, men and women, real quickly, men and women in the church are called by God, not man. You were called by God, not man. Now let me share this with you. How many know the Apostle Paul? All right, from the Bible. It's hard to miss. He wrote over one, uh, well actually almost two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul was a man who was actually anti-Jesus. Remember, he was throwing people in jail. He was doing all kinds of bad things if they talked about the Lord. And then, of course, he met the Lord. And things drastically changed. So I don't want to get into that. But this Paul was greatly used by the Lord. And he made some statements that I think you need to see real fast that make it clear how the Lord deals with us. So look with me, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people. Now notice what I said. Any group of people or any human authority. 
but by Jesus Christ himself and God the Father, by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. So notice what he said. Who's the one that called him? Jesus, right? By the Spirit of God. That's how he was called. No human called him, all right? In your life, I'm telling you right now, no human has called you to what you're called in the church that belongs to Jesus. It is Jesus who makes the decisions. He calls, he appoints, he leads, he directs. But see, a lot of people are saying, I just, I'll do what I want to do. And they're not even open to what the Lord has. I'm telling you what, how many would agree that you'll get a lot more use out of a TV that has a zillion features if you spend a little bit of time learning about that TV? Anybody agree? Because you probably have got one of those newfangled options and you're like, I don't even know how to use half of them. And, and somebody else might walk in the house, like one of your kids, blank, 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 and they're doing all kinds of things and you're like, dear Lord, I didn't know it could do that. I didn't know, where, I, didn't know I could talk to my phone. I didn't know it could do this or that. I didn't know all these different things, you know. I mean, well, I didn't know. You mean I can actually walk into my house and lights turn on and, and the heat turns on and this does this and, and I can say good night and all of a sudden all these things that go off. Why? Because of your lack of knowledge, right? You don't know. Well, you'll get a lot more out of life if you obey the Lord because He knows more. He knows what you're called. He knows where you'll fit. He knows exactly what to do. And the expression of it, which we'll get into, is in the local church and how it affects the church universal. But anyway, real quickly, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Look real quick. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I receive my message from no human source. And no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Notice that. How does Jesus build the church, his church? By direction, by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit. Everyone that has received Jesus as Lord and Savior is a member of Jesus' church. That's you and me. Everybody say, say it with me. Say, that's you and me. I want you to get that. Now, it's you and me, the sheep of his pasture. He's the chief shepherd. We're the sheep in his pasture. And we belong to him, and he belongs to us. And in John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Notice that. Everybody say it with me. I hear his voice. He is talking to you guys in your spirit all the time. The question is, are you listening? How many know Jesus doesn't lie? If he says, don't you ever say, I just can't hear God like they can. I just don't hear God. I just don't understand that. Quit saying that. And say what Jesus said about you. I hear his voice just fine. I hear, say it with me. I hear his voice. And I follow him. Amen. How do you get to recognize someone's voice? What's the number one key way you get to recognize someone's voice? You're around them. You spend time with them. You know what they would say. You know what they sound like. So you get this? The more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you're in His Word, the more you recognize what He would say and what He wouldn't. How can I tell the difference between Jesus and the devil? Well, simply put, the devil's always a liar and Jesus wouldn't say that. How do I know Jesus wouldn't say it? Because this is what He said in His Word and He didn't say that. 
But see, if I know very little of his word, if I hardly ever spend any time praying, if I hardly ever listen to what he's saying, and I'm just busy about my life, doing my thing, not paying much attention, then he's going to have a hard time speaking to me. And listen to me carefully. I want you to listen closely to what I'm about to say. There are a lot of hurting or even dead Christians because they didn't listen to the Lord. And you may say, you mean the Lord whooped on them because they didn't? No, I said they didn't listen. He led them not to do something, but they did it anyway. He was, don't marry that person inside. Don't marry that person inside. Don't marry. But they look so good. And they provide, they, they got a good job, and they look so good, and, and they, got, they got a good education, and they look so good, and, and, and they, they do this and that, and they look so good, and everybody tells me that that's the person to marry, and they look so good, but in the inside you keep on hearing, that's not the one, that's not the one. But you, you're not paying attention to that. All you're doing is, they look so good. This one says this, dad says this, mom says this, friend says this, and you listen, but you're not listening. And, and on the other side of that door of that marriage, the Lord is saying, there's destruction. He'll hurt you. He looks good now. But see, now the Lord might not reveal all these things, but what happens a lot of times when we don't obey him? We walk into it and realize, I should have listened. I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew I should. But see, how do we get to hear him? How do we get to flow with him? You have to be able to hear him. Slow down in life. Get in the word of God. Get quiet. Ask him for help when you need it. When you're going to make a decision. Dear Lord, just say, Lord, before I make this decision, I want to give you room to speak to me and get quiet. Give him a little bit of time and he'll speak to your heart. You'll just know. If it's something that you should do, it won't go away. It will keep on pulling you and get stronger. But if it's something you shouldn't do or something that would harm you, you'll notice either there's a sense of I shouldn't do it or it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Then it's not the Lord. You understand that?